welcome to Maths Talk by AMSI Schools, where conversations in maths become part of your professional learning. My name's Leanne McMahon. Today we're talking to Cass Lowry, former AMSI Schools Outreach Officer, and has gone back into schools to the exciting world of mathematics in primary schools. Hi, Cass. Hi, Leanne. How are we? Very well, thanks. I assume you're enjoying your holidays that you <laughs> never got at AMC. <laughs> I can say that uh, holidays is one of the things that you do miss when you work at the university. So uh, yes, I can't complain about holidays. It gives you a good time to catch up on some podcasts, some readings and you know, chill out with friends. So it's good. It definitely does. Now I've asked you today, because I'm dying to catch up with you, but also because on a number of these in the social media sites, people do ask a lot of questions. And there are some fairly common questions that I really want to delve into today. And one of those questions is around intervention. Can you talk to me about intervention and, and what what's happening in your life? Oh, okay, Leanne. I guess intervention in primary schools is... I guess it's quite controversial in some places because a lot of teachers, what they want is they want someone else to come into the classroom, take out those four or five students, work with them, bring them back, and they're all fixed because most teachers in primary schools have around 25 students and the range between the haves and the the have-nots can be, research says it can be up to six years. It's really difficult to cater for a, a straight grade four when you've got kids that are potentially have the knowledge to work at about a year eight level. And then you've got students who can barely uh, count a collection. And apart from all the different learning needs and EAL backgrounds and um, disabilities that you may have, you've just got this range of mathematical knowledge. So it's, mm. And it's the sort expectation of, that the teacher needs to be able to cater for that huge diversity of learning abilities. A hundred percent. So in some ways, I guess if you ask teachers, many teachers will say, look, if you can just come and get them, take them out. But again, that causes its own problem because who takes them? Mm -hmm. Who are these people? Who are these math specialists? And it's it's been shown in uh, research in England that I will put in the, the show notes that the very students that are being taught by the teacher assistants that perhaps aren't as trained in maths as the actual teacher. Those very students are the ones that need a really highly qualified and highly experienced mathematics educator. And they're getting the people who may have maths anxiety. They may have gone into teacher assistance because they're not that great at maths. I find it really odd that in our system, We tend to put these kids with the very people that they shouldn't be with. They need to be with qualified teachers. And the thing is, research also says that despite training performance, you you go back to what you know. Mm. I I mean, you know, this is a, you often hear yourself as a parent, you know, (laughs) saying, saying things, you know, like when your child opens the door, you know, we're born in a tent. Like that's the same thing my mum would say. Like you, you go back to what you, despite all your best intentions, you go back to what you're familiar with. Yes. So teachers will go back to what they know and integration aids and teacher aids and LSOs or whatever they're called now, go back to what they're familiar with. Mm-hmm. And so um, they might go back to very basic strategies that work for them. And this may not help the students. So this is the problem. The alternative is, okay, we'll, we'll get math specialists 
Yeah. But that's the other thing. I mean, AMSI itself has done research into this. There's a shortage of qualified maths teachers in this country. So who are these math specialists? Oh, we'll get a math specialist. These people, these these people don't exist yep. in in large quantities. If you have one at your school, that's fantastic. But the problem is that's also not really helping the teacher because when the math specialist inevitably leaves the school, the knowledge goes with that person. Yeah. So the teacher's back to the same position she was, you know, two years earlier. Now she's got similar students. She still really doesn't know the strategy to help them. The math specialist's gone. The integration aid can't help you know, what can we do? Like what's, what's a strategy that really works? Mm. So the first thing is to try and get math specialists into schools and math specialists who are then teaching the teachers. Is that right? It's interesting. You know, you read all the, the PISA data and the Tim's data and it says like, uh, I think I haven't seen that from this year, this year's release, but a couple of years ago when I saw the data, Australia was below the average in the OECD and the down, the graph was going down. We were not getting better. I can link that article. AMC's other superstars of STEM programs and um, lifting the profile of mathematics. You know, people like Eddie Wu, we, we understand that maths is important, like we get it, uh, but despite these things, it's not changing. The government says, oh, we want to do something about this. I know what we'll do. We'll change the curriculum. <laughs> um, <laughs> you can change the curriculum as much as you like. The reality is the teachers didn't know the last one. People still talk to me about things. And I said, oh, you know what? That was in CSF too. We've had, I think, three curriculums since that. Things have changed and teachers haven't exactly moved with the time. So we need to accept that teachers don't know what they don't know. And maybe the government needs to put in some money. If they want to raise the PISA data and the TIMS data, if they're worried about how we look internationally, they might have to put their money in their pocket and say, you know what, this is what we need to do because these people don't exist. We need to train up some math specialists and we need to put them in schools and we need to make teachers feel more comfortable about teaching maths. You'll see firsthand how difficult and challenging it is from teachers. I think that's the one thing I've realised from coming back to school. Our role as outreach officers at AMC was more of a consulting role. So you would, you know, you'd go to the school, you'd help them with the data, you'd identify the areas they need and you'd go in. But we were only going in 10 to 12 days across the whole year yes. on uh, when it was good. And that's just not enough time to really see the growth and sort of really understand all the stories about what's going on. Whereas going back into a school, I'm sitting there and I, I just, I notice things mm. and I hear teachers talking about students that are having difficulties and I, I see them photocopying activities in preparation for the day. And yeah. Or, so you think the best maths intervention starts with putting a maths specialist into the school? Definitely. And not just that, not as math specialists like a tutor who comes in, takes the kids out and works with the kids. That helps those kids, definitely. And that's, to me, a short-term fix that would work for a short term. But what we need is someone who goes in and helps the teachers help those students. So ultimately, we train up um, a wider uh, group of the workforce so eventually more people feel confident in it um, uh, in a longer-term process. I think that's the way... That's the way forward. Mm. I think that's ANSI's goal too. We we would really like to get um, our outreach officers training teachers up rather than, you know, we we had a ball dealing with students, but as you said, it affects that student. So it would be great if we could do that. 
Yeah, because I, I just find it really sad. Like um, a parent asked, we had just at the end of term, we had parent-teacher interviews that they now called learning conversations. Hmm. And because of the COVID restrictions in Victoria, they were they were online. So it's not as good as face-to-face, to, face to face, but um, we had parents saying, well, should I get my child a tutor? <sighs> and I'm the child's in grade five. Like the child has some difficulties with basic number facts, but I'm thinking... This is not something that's insurmountable. This is something that if we can work with this child, uh, you know, I think we can really have some some gains. And I just think I I don't want to say as a teacher, I don't want to say, yes, I think your child needs a tutor because mm. what does that say about us as a profession that, sorry, we haven't really got around to teaching Johnny this, but yeah, if you could pay someone on the weekend to do it, that'd be great. Like- exactly, exactly. And again, how do you know that a tutor is going to be doing exactly. the right thing? Exactly. Like it, it, it comes back to our original discussion. You know, these maths qualified people, they just don't exist. If they mm. did exist, they'd be teaching in schools and we have a shortage. Mm. So, yes, some of them might be retired teachers. And both of us know people who have been tutors who are very yeah. qualified teachers. I'm not saying they don't exist, but they don't exist in great in, in enough quantity that we can cover the whole of Australia. and remote areas and regional areas because this is not an abundance. Mm. And I think parents actually need to be included in the conversation. Don't waste your money on tutors. Talk to your teachers and see what's happening for for the child then. I agree. I know at AMSI we've run some events about helping the parents find the maths. And And they are on the website. On the website and also, I mean, the thing that went with that, that we never really got to do last year because of COVID was actually family nights, like running events with parents, having information nights with parents and actually taking them through the maths and taking them, showing them the links between the strategies that they learned and the strategies that are more familiar in classrooms today, because it's not different maths. Yep. It's the same maths. Joe Bowler has that great video where she does the multiplication fact, you know, is it uh, 18 you know, times eight- five? Is 18 times five yeah. and she has this whole video that shows all these different ways and it's in her book as well all these different ways to solve 18 times five and when I was first asked 18 times five I think I could think of off the top of my head probably two or three ways I probably would have used mm. throughout but mm. I never even considered all these different ways no, and I, I never knew about the doubling and halving strategy the doubling and halving strategy yeah I didn't and I taught some students in grade four that the other day is sort of an, um, a group that was going really well with their number facts and they absolutely loved it. They just mm. couldn't believe that you could use doubling and halving to solve like a problem. And we're talking about something like 17 times 234, which yeah. is totally out of the realm of a grade four's ability, but they can double and they can halve. They understand how to double and halve and they understood once you got low enough, you just go, oh, well, it's just two times or it's just, oh, I know five times or whatever. You got yes. to an answer that was close enough and you thought, oh, I know how to do it now. Yeah. And um, they're like, I didn't know you could do that. Yeah. And this is this big push as well. It's all about number sense. Yeah. If you want to rewrite the curriculum, let's have a huge section on number sense because teachers and students just don't understand the importance of the relationship between uh, numbers. Yeah. I think it's really interesting going back to a school because when I went to school I was what's kind of known as a whole language learner so now there's this whole big movement about phonics which is really understanding how language goes together and the formation of the language and I'm 
looking at it from a maths perspective, I'm like, we that's what we need in maths. Teachers yeah. just don't understand that something like doubling and halving, which is something you can do from a prep level, is so useful going up into high school. It's such yeah. a value, you know, the area of a triangle is half the base times the height. But yeah. do you know how to half? You know, like it would be mm. so useful if you did know how to do that. Mm. And where that formula came from, that was that blew my mind when I found out where that actual formula came from. It's, it's from a square. Yeah, no, or exactly. I, we, we were just taught the formula. But again, yeah. it's funny that something that's so important, halving and doubling, it's got so many uses, but it's not really made obvious in the curriculum. The curriculum talks about using efficient mental and written strategies. And because the curriculum doesn't want to be too prescriptive it doesn't list all of them Mm, yes it's just like the joe bowler idea it doesn't list all 20 it just says efficient yeah and efficient can mean efficient for you could mean a lot different than efficient for me fair enough you know like 18 times five i could split that into 10 and eight but if Mm -hmm. i don't know what eight times five is (laughs) that strategy doesn't work for me this is what a lot of mathematicians actually don't understand they know very well that the students actually need these basics in order to survive but what happens is that in the curriculum it's not actually written there so it's written using multiple strategies that fluency that is required to use those strategies perhaps isn't written as clearly as the mathematicians would like. As teachers, we should be very aware that we can't teach a, let's say, split strategy like you just mentioned. We can't teach that without them knowing what 10 times 5 is and what 8 times 5 is, and which is also the same as if we're doing the standard algorithm. They can't do that until they know those basic strategies. So they have to go back. Yeah, that's... and. Do you realize we've talked all of this and we haven't actually mentioned the intervention program? What I want to do is bring it back. There's research by John Hattie to suggest that taking kids out isn't effective and yeah. it's not effective long-term. Hmm. What they did find was taking kids out with a teaching assistant in a small group is actually more effective than that teaching assistant in the classroom with the other students. So it's really important to look at this research and see what's going to be best for these students. So there, I mean, so there are some intervention programs that schools use. I was at a school that used EMU, which is Extending Mathematics Understanding. Okay, so send for EMU, and it was based on the work of Andrea Vassoni and the Early Research Numeracy Project, and uh-huh. it used the Mathematics Assessment Interview, which is now right. called the Mathematics Online Interview, that Victoria, which is mandated for use in Victorian schools. Mm. Um, and it's available throughout the country. Obviously. Oh, yeah, and it's available. You can you can log in, you can get your own login and use it. Um, and it's linked to what's called the growth points. So students uh-huh. were given. Um, Students were giving a mathematical growth point. You can Google the mathematics growth points. It'll come up. And basically, they were in counting, place value, multiplication and division, and addition and subtraction. So these students were given a score of four. So by the end of prep, it was considered that a student should be a two, one, 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 which was a two in counting, a, a score of one. So it's about they can get up to six. Mm-hmm. Some of the growth points have five. Some of them have six growth points. So it's sort of like probably by the end of grade four, early grade five, you should be a six, ideally, according to the growth points, if you mm-hmm. think curriculum in all areas but the reality is that kids are not 
Mm-hmm. So they might have a strength. So for example, one thing that you will notice from the interview is that you, if you're low in counting, say you're very good at counting forwards, but you're not very good at counting backwards, that might affect you in your ability to subtract. Subtraction. Because you can do addition, but you have trouble with subtraction. Mm-hmm. So the EMI program was designed to help skill, students develop skills in all four areas and it went for 20 weeks. Okay. So that, and they provide like, as well as the assessment for you know, you, you know this, you don't know that. They provide activities or ideas on yeah. what to do. And every, there was, it was sort of very structured, the lesson. So the teacher went off and got training on how to do this. They still mm-hmm. run the training. Well, they were running the training out of Monash University. Yep. Up until recently, I, I was aware. So they, uh, the teacher was a specialist trained teacher, not a, not an aide. It was mm-hmm. a tra- trained teacher and they would take the students out and every session involved uh, there was three about three students in the group we used to run it with four because it was just more practicalities it was easy to yep. do with four kids because then you could do partners every lesson was structured mm-hmm. so they'd start off with some counting they'd review what they did the previous lesson then they'd start a new activity um, they'd reflect on that and then they'd be sent at, at home task mm-hmm. uh, it was all very structured okay um, so this is outside the classroom but during during maths time so were they missing what was going on in the classroom see this is the problem so (laughs) they were taken out not during maths time so this is the problem with any intervention yeah do you take them out of maths Mm -hmm. or do you take them out of something else and inevitably many of these students have related issues so they're not very good at maths they're not very good at reading either so So you can't take them out of literacy yeah do you take them out of literacy so then what do you take them out of you could argue it's not fair to take them out of sport so then what subject what subject is it fair to take them out of and and exactly an important part of their education so and for that student that might be the only way that student connects to learning so exactly it's very all those intervention programs it comes with you know bonuses yes it can help the student but what else are they missing out on and how is that going to determine mm-hmm. there's other um, there's another program called green which is getting ready getting ready in numeracy in numeracy so yeah I've, program i've heard of that one and i've heard that it's had some quite good success so how that happens is the student comes out of the class before the maths lesson and it's only a shorter things to say they were learning about um, multiplication the student might and maybe the teacher's teaching this the split strategy maybe the teacher would the grin teacher would help the student go all right well how do we split numbers they might do a bit of a mini lessons on a uh, place value so the student mm. understands how can we break up 18 we can do it with 10 and 8 or we can do it with 5 5 4 and 4 or something like mm-hmm. that so that would get them ready so when they went into the class and the teacher said, right, we're going to split the numbers. The t- student's not just sort of staring blankly at the wall. So it's sort of upskilling them in the strategies. It's sort of like a mini lesson before the lesson. Yeah. So what would normally happen in a class is the teacher might explain the lesson and then they'd have to sit with the four or five students who needed extra instruction. So this, the GRIN program encourages the extra instruction to take place before the lesson. Yeah. And once again, that's one that teachers need to be trained in and, you know, you have to invest the time in the teachers. Yes. You've got to have a good relationship with the classroom teachers because you've got to know what strategies she's teaching. You've basically got to be teaching, you know, parallel to each other. You can't be saying, well, this is the preferred strategy and that's not the one the teacher's going to be demonstrating. So it has to be a lot of time is obviously spent in the background because the green teacher needs to be available to attend planning, needs to be aware of what's happening in the lessons so they can offer the best assistance to the students. 
Mm-hmm. So again, like that's a good program. There's other programs. There was another one. I can't think of the name of it. it was run out of Catholic Ed, but that was more like reading recovery. Yeah, that was the was, Bob Wright. They're based on Bob Wright's work, isn't yeah, it? So, yeah. um, and there's some books about it, but again, that was um, it was even smaller groups. Mm-hmm. So it was more one on one. It was more like the reading recovery model, where it was a it was a one on one or one teacher to two. And again, at the end of the day, it comes down to money. Can schools afford to have essentially a top of the tree teacher who is now qualified to teach his intervention to be taking these groups. Yeah. And how many groups can the teacher have? Like there's only 25 hours in a week. Mm-hmm. The teacher, I mean, they can't even take 25 students if they're doing a one-on-one program. Yeah. <laughs> do you do it every day? Do you do it once a week? So the yeah. logistics of how that all works. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think eventually um, schools need to, find a ways to work together to have in-class intervention to upskill students in class. I think that logistic, that's going to be the most efficient way to do it because some of these other programs, although they may have success, they're expensive. They're expensive to train teachers. They're expensive to run. And even if they work, it's one teacher and it's just not enough. <laughs> it's not enough. There's 450 students in my school and they would all benefit for some sort of intervention or extension. Yes. That's the other yeah. thing. That's the, the opposite to intervention is extension. And a lot of schools, what they do is if they put the kids into groups, the top group will just be independent. Mm. So they won't have the teacher. Whereas I, I've said to, I just, as I said earlier, I, I was working with a independent group and we worked together and we investigated the um, doubling and halving strategy and it's called Russian multiplication method or the Egyptian model, which is basically uses uh, doubling and halving to solve these. And it was something that was used, you know, potentially by the Egyptians, you know, 4,000 years ago. And it's really interesting. And um, we watched a number file video about it and we tried it. We tried on all these problems and the kids really love that. Mm. And that sort of gives them a real buzz about mathematics. Mm. Um, and again, though, that you're a, you're a mathematics specialist and they get the value from that. And then while you're working with them, you're not working with the middle kids. No, or, I'm not working. Yeah. And look, the, the intervention kids. So it, it just. No, I'm not. <laughs> where do you put the money? That's... Where do you put the time? Where do you put the effort? I mean, yes, I really enjoyed that activity. And it gives you a real buzz when a student mm. says to me, can we just do maths every day, Cassandra? <laughs> Look, I'm happy with that, Wengel. I won't tell anyone, right? We'll just, yeah. we'll just do maths every day, all yeah. day, every day. I mean, the reality is we can't. We need to teach these other subjects. And as soon as I'm working with one group, another group's missing out. And it, it, so we don't want to see it like that. We want everyone to benefit from the instruction, not just, yeah, the lucky few. Mm. I think we've really covered an awful lot, not just about intervention, but but about lots of other topics. I just want to say thanks so much, Cass, for taking time out of your holidays because we really appreciate that sort of discussion. If you've got anything that you'd like to ask or say about intervention, please go to our probably our Facebook page is the best. I'll put a post up and I'd love any comments, any questions. I think Cass would be happy to discuss any <laughs> intervention program. She's uh, she's really one to, to give her opinion and we really value her opinion. So thanks so much for coming in today, Cass, and see you next time. No problems. You can check our show notes for all the references that Cass has given. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.